Well, we're going to pick up on our study here of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we are working currently through Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he lists nine what are commonly called the gifts of the Spirit, although there are many more than just this list. These are kind of the main categories in this arena. And um, so far, we've talked about the word of wisdom. We've talked about the word of knowledge. And last week, we talked about faith that comes by the Spirit. And these were uncommon faith. We're talking about not the common faith that everybody else gets when, you know, that just by virtue of God's uh, grace, because you can't even get saved if you don't have faith, right? So, <clears throat> but he's given to every man that measure. But So we're, we're, today, we're going to just kind of work right through the list in the order in which Paul laid it out there. And today, we're going to talk about the gifts, plural, of healing. The gifts of healing. Let me read to you First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 8, just kind of put us in context here. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another, here it is, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Now interesting, uh, at least I find it interesting, nice to sometimes look at the original languages. In this case, it's Greek. And the Greek word for healing here is the word uh, iama. And it basically means a cure, healing, coming from a root that means, this is important, to make whole. To make whole. Now I say that and emphasize that because healing has to do with more than just physical healing. There is wholeness. You remember the story of the, the ten lepers, right? We've talked about it over the years. But all of them were healed, but one of them was made whole because he came back and gave thanks to Christ, right? He said to him, go your way, your faith has made you whole. As if to say their faith got them healed, but your faith went to another level, it made you whole. And wholeness is more than just getting our immediate problem fixed because God, that's a temporal thing. God's thinking eternal things. So if we're really going to understand the essence of healing, it's about wholeness. Wholeness, okay? Healing in wholeness. The other interesting word that is found, I'm going to just read some scriptures here to you because they're just powerful. This is Old Testament now, so that's Hebrew. Uh, in language. In Isaiah 53, let me just begin in verse 3. He, speaking of Jesus, is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes. This is all pointing obviously to the sacrificial offering of Christ. Who took upon himself all of our, our maladies. Every possible issue was laid upon him and with his stripes we are healed. This word for healed, important word, is the word rapha. Okay? And notice what this word means. To mend by stitching. That is figuratively to cure, to heal, physician, to repair or to make whole. But I love this idea to mend by stitching. So, most all of you know that I like to fish, and I'm not going to digress, don't worry. And some years back, bought a little teeny skiff, a little Carolina skiff, a little boat, and uh, it's got a seat cushion on it. And the seat cushion has just been in the weather, in the sun, and it's cracking, and it was looking pretty bad, and, and I was needing to fix it. So I went and priced one. I went, ah! Go that with me. Ah! Yeah, that's what I did. And uh, 
And then I found out, so I was trying to figure out if I was really, how, how bad I really needed to replace this seat cushion. Uh, and then I found out that they don't even make the color anymore that it's in. I thought, so I, I, to get one, I could get one, but it wouldn't even match. And you've got to know, if you're on the water, there's a whole culture out there. Okay, there's a whole culture out there. And I couldn't pull up to the dock with a seat that didn't match. I mean, it just wouldn't be right, okay? So I started thinking of ways... You know, and, and by trade, I was a cabinet maker. I used to have my own cabinet business many years ago. Don't call me and ask me to fix your cabinets. That was then. This is now. <laughs> Just want to get that out. Get that cleared up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but I was a builder by trade. Built our house. And I love to work with my hands, right? So I thought to myself, I can make that. So I went down to Joanne's Fabrics. And I got some outdoor vinyl in the exact colors that I need. Found myself a sewing machine. I can do this, right? And I <coughs> started down the process that I normally go down when I try something new, <laughs> which is, why did I do this? <laughs> but anyways, I was in, you know, <coughs> and uh, I, had a lot, I had a lot to learn about how these threads work, particularly in this type of a heavy fabric, okay? A lot of stuff to go through to make these seams and stuff. I had no pattern, so I'm just kind of working, working off scratch turned out actually pretty good. I'm, I'm quite, quite pleased with how it happened. A few adjustments if I had it to do all over again. But in the process of it, so you know, we're talking about healing, and we're talking about this Hebrew word here, Rafa, and it means to mend by stitching. You know, I had no clue I was going to be talking about this and fixing my boat cushion at the same time. And I just want to say that because I believe God is sovereign. I just believe he's a sovereign God. And so there I am learning these things. And you know, anybody that's done any sewing before, you know, and now I know, <laughs> that uh, you got thread up top on the machine, right? Got a little spool of thread up here. And then underneath where the little area is where you push the fabric through, there's also a little thing called a bobbin, and it holds some thread down underneath there, right? And so you got thread that comes from up top and a thread that comes from the bottom, and these two threads interlock with the stitch and it's pulling one against the other and it kind of laps them in and that's how what makes the stitch, right? And you've got to have tension on thread up top and tension on thread on the bottom. And if the tensions aren't right between the top and the bottom, then the stitch doesn't happen. Or it gets what they call bird nest. It gets all balled up under there and it's heavy fabric. It's just a mess, right? <clears throat> so here I am sewing, trying to make get my boat cushion repaired, right? And... Uh, and and then I start studying about the gifts of healing. And I'm realizing that, in essence, God is wanting to put back together. He's wanting to restore some things. But it takes attention on both what is on top and what is underneath. Attention. Real healing, real wholeness, okay, occurs when two realms meet together. It's not, we're all looking for the surface thing to happen. But God says, I'm interested in what's going on on the surface of your life, and I'm interested in what's going on underneath the surface of your life. For this thing to get mended properly, both of these worlds have to connect. So First John tells us, I would that you be in health and prosper, even as your soul is prospering. The hidden part of you is prospering and the outward part of you is prospering and these two worlds have to come together otherwise you're just pushing something from one side and not from the other side and there's no mend real mend no fullness or wholeness that's brought into our lives so it's not all just about getting you know we think of healing and gifts of healing we often we all immediately tend to go to my outward man that has an issue. I, need, I got a cut. I need it healed, right? But God's got a bigger picture of this thing called the gifts of healing. And I have to tell you, this tension knob is really cool. And it's really aggravating, okay? <laughs> Until you learn. You know, I used to... I, so I, I had, let me just give you one little quick illustration. So I had this, you know, this needle going through, and the top stitch looked great. And I'd pick it up, and underneath it was just all this loose stuff. And I'm thinking, what is going on? I think I've got to have more tension. And my initial thought was, I've got to have more tension on the bottom. But then I realized, no, no, the tension needed to happen up top, which pulls that through. So I cranked the knob. <laughs> Let me tell you, 
God knows how much tension to put. You think, it's too tight around here. God says, no, 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 I am healing you. I'm, I know how to dial it in if you'll let me bring a balance between the outside and the inside of your being. The outside and the inside. To mend by stitching the piercing needle that accompanies healing. I've told this story before, but I'll share it again briefly. You know, isn't it interesting when you're wounded, you have an injury or something, and then you go get worked on at a doctor somewhere, and then they throw you into therapy, right? If it's a joint or a surgery, and, and you've got to move the pain. I broke my ankles many years ago, jumped off a roof, don't ask me why, and... Um, Broke both my ankles. They had to rebuild my right ankle. Steel, screws, plates, the whole deal. I was just a teenager when it happened. And uh, they put me in these half splints. <coughs> and every day, hold of the nurse would come in and... Helga, Helga yeah, it was Helga. Yeah, you're, you're remembering my message from before, Helga the nurse. Yeah, but we had, we, had, we had, I was in pain. I'm talking serious pain. They just finished putting a big steel plate and screws in this thing, and the ball, the socket had broken half, two screws up in it like that, the little thin bone on the side, little bits, and had screws all the way up, and then to the good bone, to the bad bone. It was just a mess. And I'm swollen, I'm in pain. And she'd come in, and she'd take that thing out, and she'd put her little protractor on there, which measured degrees, and she'd say to me, as far as you choose to move this ankle now is as far as you'll ever move it in your future. So if you give me 10 degrees, 10 degrees is all you'll have. Please hear me today. If all you're going to give me, and I know it hurts, she would tell me. I know it hurts to move it. But if you don't move it far, you won't have the ability to move it in the future. During the healing process, there is some pain. And I'm asking you, God's asking you, stretch with me. Do it because your future matters. Don't just fall into, I don't want the pain. You're already there. Now it's a matter of getting the thing in the range it needs to be. Which means you're going to have to push against the pain a little. I'm speaking by the Spirit of the Lord today. You're going to have to push against the pain a little. Actually, when you think of the incentive, the more I'm willing, and I'm not talking about needless pain, I'm talking about very intentional pain with a, with a goal here, and the goal is range of motion. Range of motion. I don't want to be limited in what I can do in the future, therefore, I'm going to keep on moving. It's interesting... We don't, you know, Christy and I were talking about, you know, when your kids, they have a little scrape or something and you're trying to clean them up and they don't want you to touch it and they don't want you to get near, but you're really trying to help them. You're really, you really are trying to help them, but they, they don't get that. They're, they're all protective and, no, don't put that on me. You remember that iodine stuff they used to? Gee, wow. Yeah, it was like, it's terrible. But you've got to be willing to let God handle you to get healed. You've got to know the motive of God is to see us well. We've got to trust the one who's come to heal us. I am the Lord who heals you. And remember, healing is more than just physical. Healing is emotional and it's spiritual. It's wholeness. And God's after wholeness. God thinks eternally don't limit ourselves to just the natural realm when we talk about healing. I am the Lord that heals you. Interesting in the Psalms, Psalms 46 and 10, the scripture says, Be still and know that I am God. This word still, guess what the word, root word, common root? Rapha. To be still means to 
Sit still while I stitch you. <laughs> it means to mend and to stitch. Sit still. J just let me do it. <laughs> you know, so in some cases, you know, God's asking for range of motion. Like, really, the idea is the same. It's like, don't let the pain keep you from your healing. I find a lot of times we tend to avoid the pain, but when you realize that God's pain when it comes to healing is life-giving, not death. It's not a tormenting thing. It's not a, a worldly sorrow. There's a difference here in the kind of sorrow and the kind of difficulty required. I find a lot of times when people are wounded, they avoid, they don't want to talk or deal with the thing. Don't touch it. Don't touch me. Don't touch the area. But I'm here to say that the process of healing requires stitching. And it requires us to work with God and allow him access into the places that are hurting so he can put them back together. I mentioned it already, but Paul's description here is plural in nature, the gifts of healing. You know, if you've been to the doctor before, I'm going to use my analogy of my ankles. There's a whole team of people that work on patients, right? A whole team of people. I remember Dr. Selickson was the guy that rebuilt my ankle. And that was, <laughs> I can't even remember how many years ago now. Dr. Selickson, he would come through with a whole team of students to watch my pain. <laughs> but they'd come through and they'd talk and he, you know, and he would take one. And then there would be nurses that would come, there'd be therapists that would come. I had dietitians, people that would feed me to make sure I was not, you know, all these people working together. And I say all of that because when we're talking about the ministry of healing, remember there's gifts, plural, of healing. Gifts of healing. And a lot of times we think of, oh, this is a gift I don't have because I don't lay my hand on somebody and see them physically well. But let me tell you, it's so much more than just lay hands and see someone physically well. There's gifts here, plural, because God's after the whole person. He's after the whole enchilada, as they say. Last night I was uh, helping with a wedding and uh, socializing a little bit at the end and met this doctor. He's a local guy. And we were talking, he's a believer. And I was realizing, you know, he's a part of one of the gifts of healing. He just is. He's a physician. Luke the physician, the beloved physician. It's all one of the areas of healing. There's so many different types of manifestations for this grace. And here's something I find important. If we limit this thing called healing to just the physical realm, we miss something. Because you know what? Our physical bodies... Well, the ones we currently have, we will not always have them. You do know that. This mortality will put on immortality. This corruption, come on, talk to me, somebody, will put on incorruption. We shall not all, right? We're going to be changed, Paul says, right? right? We're not all going to sleep, we're all, but we're going to be changed. So if all we're focusing on is, let, let me just take this, what now is a temporal body, and all we're focused on is just getting it well, you know. And like even as Christians, as believers, we're thinking, you know, well, it's part of my covenant promise. Amen. It is a part of the covenant promise. But let me say this to you. Don't sell yourself short to just try to keep this thing going when you've got a more enduring promise from God. So for me, when I'm talking about healing, I want to get my lens wider and I want to see the whole picture that God is really doing. I mean, think about it. For some reason, here we are in a certain dispensation of God's grace when it comes to his plan for mankind. And if in Christ, when Christ rose from the dead, if it was all fixed, then why do you have gray hair? Some of you. You see, th the reality is, yes, I have covenant promises from Christ. I'm believing God for all you know, the health and strength and vi you know, vitality for all the days that he's appointed for me to live here on earth. But the truth of the matter is, even under that grace, I'm still getting older. I can't run as fast. And is, and is that the devil? I don't think so. I just think it's part of where we find ourselves on the overall timeline of God when it comes to his plan for man. There is coming an absolute moment. Please hear me today. When this whole thing is going to wrap up and we're going to get a glorified body. You know, so here's the, pr the problem is 
we, we, we take these ideas and we act like they themselves are the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal, these are like, these are, these are provisions from the Lord, the graces of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're provisions from the Lord for us here now to get the job done, to testify of who Christ is, to show the power of the kingdom and all that stuff. But the end is far more glorious, far more important than just those types of things. So we have this promise from the Lord. You know, I think about even Lazarus. The guy is sick and he dies. And Jesus knows it. He decides intentionally to not rescue him. Go figure. You know, have you ever thought about the pressure he must have been under to not go and do that? But then in the Come on, the purpose of God was different than just fix my immediate problem. Jesus, Jesus, if you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, you know what? I got a bigger message than that message. My message is about resurrection and eternal things. And I'm going to give you a little demonstration, but guess what? That demonstration is only temporal because here's the deal. Lazarus comes out of the grave but do you think Lazarus physically died after that? I personally do. I think the guy lived out an amazing rest of his life, you know? I mean, the guy was probably followed by, I don't know, I mean, can you even imagine what the rest of his life looked like? But there came a day, I'm convinced, you know, it's possible God scooped him up like Elijah or something, but I don't think so. I think he finished out his course, and then he physically died. Why would God allow him to get sick, die, and then after his death not run to rescue him because, hear me, of a bigger and more enduring message that he wanted to preach. Now, I can't tell you how that all plays out in all of our lives, but I will say this. God is thinking eternally and we need to think with him eternally. The resurrection and the promise and the hope of all of these things that is yet to come. It's powerful. We can trust him He's a God working healing and that healing is bigger and broader than we tend to define it as. Let me just give you a couple scriptural precedents for physical healing because here's what I've seen. Gifts of healing. There is absolutely physical healing. Thank God for physical healing. Many of you have already had such a thing. I've experienced them in my own life in various ways at times. And, uh, and I believe it's part of the promise that God was given to all of He that believes shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a physical thing we're talking about in that arena. But let me just read you a couple scriptures here this morning. Matthew 8 and 13. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way. Now remember, he just talked to the centurion about, uh, you know, or talked to his disciples about the centurion's faith and authority. I'm a man under authority, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to this one, stay, and he says, he says, Whatever you say, Lord, it's going to happen. And so Jesus is amazed by this guy's faith. And he says to him, go your way. As you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. That was a physical healing to a non-believer. A non-Jewish person. A Gentile. You know, sometimes we, we, we say that these things are just for those who believe. Let me tell you what. These graces and these gifts are more than just the body of Christ. God's wanting the world to taste and to see and to feel His goodness and His mercy. And so He heals him. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, right after this incident, He saw His wife's mother. That would be Peter's mother-in-law. Right? Sick of a fever. And He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. And when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Right in this little short portion of Scripture, we have Jesus, bang, 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 the centurion, go, he's whole. By his word, he's healed. Right? And then we've got him walking in and raising up 
Peter's mother-in-law who's sick, right? Just with the touch of his hand, she comes up. And then he goes on, and those that are oppressed with devils, he delivers them from devils, and he heals all their sickness. So we know this for sure. The ministry of Jesus is absolutely interested in the physical needs of people. Humanity is broken, and it's broken in a lot of ways. It needs a lot of help, right? And I will say that physical healings are often one of the, one of the most powerful, personal ways of Christ being made real to people, you know? And we need to have some faith and to be bold to stretch out our hand and touch people. You know, the results belong to God. That shouldn't stop our willingness to pray for people who are sick. Why? Because Jesus said, pray for them. He said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what he said. That's what we should do. It's not on me to make that happen. It's on me to obey the word and put my hand out there and believe God for what he wants to do. Glory to God. So there's no question. I don't think anybody who is sincere in their walk with Christ would deny that this is the ministry of Jesus. You know, I realize there are those in the body of Christ who say that healing is no longer for today, but I can't tell you where they get that. I just can't find it. You know, I mean, it's just such a... It just amazes me. It's absolutely for today. And we need to be well about the Father's business and laying hands and believing for those things to happen. So that's a key area. The gifts of healing. And maybe... You remember, when we're talking about these gifts, we're talking about not just the common grace. You know, every, I'm convinced every born-again believer can lay hands on the sick. That's a part of the Great Commission, Matthew 16. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will lay hands upon the sick. I believe every born-again believer should have confidence to pray for the sick. Just lay hands and pray for people in faith and believe God for their healing, right? I also believe in the context of this study that there are uncommon graces, not the common grace that everybody gets a hold of by simple faith, but uncommon graces where there are some people who just have, you know, my wife has an amazing grace on her for praying for people to get the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've just watched her, you know? I'll be there working with people, praying with people, you know, and she'll walk up and start praying. And, and then and I'm like, yeah, whatever, okay. You know? <laughs> I almost take it personally sometimes. It's like, God, why didn't you do that? You know, and I'm learning, I'm learning that where we have common graces, we also have unique graces, right? So you may be sitting here today, and you know, you already know that God has honored in a unique way your prayers for people to get healed. Let me say to you, those of you that, that fall into that category, and really everybody, we need to be doing more of this, but for you specifically, the body needs you. The lost world needs you. Don't hoard your gift. Don't hide it. Don't keep it. You've got to put it out there. You've got to let God work with it. And maybe you're not sure. Well, why don't you step out and try? You know, well, I'm afraid if I do that it won't happen. Okay. How about if you don't, it sure ain't going to happen. I think your odds are better by doing than not doing. It's like they say when you're fishing. You know, you're not going to catch anything if you don't put a line in the water. You don't catch fish by thinking about it. You catch fish by dropping bait in the water. Things happen because we step out. And we believe God. So we got the physical realm, important realm. And God knows with today's, even today's modern medicines, there are so many things that this natural world can never touch and provide. Only God can do it. We've got to step out. All right?
gifts, plural of healing. How about healing the broken heart? I'm not talking about a physical heart, and I'm talking about a broken heart, an inward part of our being. I'm convinced the heart is the place where the spirit and the soul meet. It is our kind of our seat, if you will, of reason, where we operate out of, out of the heart flows life, our issues of life, and so on. Healing the broken heart, Luke 4 and 18. Maybe you're not... Maybe your grace isn't really the strongest in the area of physical healing for people, but maybe you're carrying a very unique grace. Hear me, I'm talking about a team, like the hospital team that came around with me, and they all work together to see people get healed. I'm talking about a local church that's discovered their unique niche in this ministry of healing a broken world. Are you with me? And maybe the part of the team that you play has to do with the brokenheartedness of people. I'm tell you, it's a huge area of need, and it takes people with special grace to be effective in this area. Luke 4 and 18, Jesus, it's the account of Jesus standing in the synagogue and reading, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, here it is, to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus' ministry declares it right here, healing the broken in heart. One of the gifts, plural, of healing is the healing of the broken heart. It's a unique grace that comes on people. Psalms 147 and verse 3 says this, He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. You know, to bind, to wrap, to pull together, to bind up the wounds. This is the ministry of Jesus. Maybe physically right now you're okay, but in your heart you're broken. I want you to know today, if that's you, that God has grace for you. There is a provision for you to heal your broken heart. Christy and I were reading the other day from the Message Bible. <laughs> and I tell you, that, that translation, it'll just so break you out of your religiousness. But it, it really is, it's, it's a fun thing to read, but it gives you fresh like insight. It brings some things to life that maybe you kind of get too familiar reading a certain translation. Anyways, from the Message Bible, this is the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and Jesus talking about for those who are mourning. Remember, we're talking about the broken heart. But here's what he says, Matthew 5 and verse 3 and 4, from the Message Bible, hear this. You're blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and His rule. You're blessed, hear this, when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Let me read that again. You are blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Speaking obviously of the Lord himself. Normally we would say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But this translation to me, it just said, said it in such a, a unique way. When you've lost the thing that's most dear to you, only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. I am convinced that all of our healing is found in Him. On Him, right? With His stripes, we are healed. Emotional, spiritual, physical, all that is wrapped up in the person of Christ. Another gift of healing, I think it's an essential one, is healing through deliverance. You know, there's a real grace. We're talking about gifts, plural of healing. We talked about physical healing. We talked about healing of the broken heart. And I think we need to talk about healing that comes when people are bound up by demon spirits. And those spirits are actually carrying infirmity with them. 
They are infirmities manifested in the person's life. And when the person gets delivered from the Spirit, they get healed in the natural. They get set free and obviously free from the torment and the ailment that they're experiencing in their own soul. Healing through deliverance. I was thinking about one unique expression of that. And really, it's worship. Did you know that worship leaders and worship music and worship ministry, minstrel ministry, is a part of healing those who are oppressed? Think of the life of King Saul, who was tormented by an evil spirit. God in his sovereignty hooks up this little shepherd boy, David, who plays a harp. And when David would play, the torment would leave. Deliverance would come, and he would be made well, the scripture says. Saul would be made well at the sound of the anointing on worship. One of the gifts of healing, I'm convinced, has to do with words. I believe people are going to get totally set free in moments of the glory and the presence of God in worship. I believe oppression is going to leave people. Devils are going to come off of people just in the presence of God. <laughs> Radical things happening. Healing through deliverance. Matthew 12, verse 22 then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spoke and saw. Implied in this verse is that Jesus cast out the devil, because it says there was a devil at the root of this thing. And as the devil came out, the maladies went with him. Glory to God. Luke 9, verse 42 and as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tore him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child. You know, so much today has been written off as a disease. And I'm telling you, it's a demon. And our approach, society's approach is medicate a demon. Or really medicate the person. I think the demon is probably willing to, um, you know, kind of bow its manifestations some because its ultimate goal is just to debilitate and cripple the individual's ability to function. Now listen, if you're on some medicine, don't take this the wrong way. You know, I didn't, pastor didn't say you're possessed with the devil. Golly, I got to fix all these things all the time. Welcome to my world. Amen. <laughs> but I am saying there's truth here. So much of what we say today and do today and call it some disease, some genetic, I'm telling you, it's genetic bunk. It's a devil and it needs to be cast out. That's the gospel. It needs to be broken off of people's lives. Demon spirits, we have so drifted away from the ministry of deliverance and yet it is absolutely what Jesus declared to be the issue and the remedy. So, one of the manifestations of healing is a deliverance ministry. Amen. Maybe that grace is on you. Maybe you've been waiting for permission. I now grant you permission. Go and cast out devils in Jesus' name. It's the great commission with permission. You got it. Okay? Find your grace. Use your grace. I'm going to say it probably a lot before this is all over with, but you know you are a steward. You are a steward. You have been handed. I can't tell you why he chose to hand. The Bible says he, the Spirit divvies this stuff out as he sees fit. I can't tell you why God gave me certain graces and you certain graces that are unique and different from one another. All I know is I've got certain graces and when I'm moving in them, I know I'm in them. Amen. Amen. I see it on you as well. We have these graces we've received. We're stewards of them. All I'm trying to do is stir it up. I'm trying to get you and me to, to figure out what those graces are and then be a steward of the grace. You know, when it's all said and done, we're all going to line up one by one. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of our stewardship. What's that? You know, it's not going to be 
it's not like all your buddies are going to be there to support you in that moment, you know. It's you. It's a one-on-one with you and God. One-on-one. And we're going to stand there and he's going to say to us, let me see what you did with what I gave you. Let me tell you, heaven knows exactly what you were given. Got an exact record of the grace you've received. Yeah. So what'd you do with this grace? What'd you do with that grace? Well, you know, I got hurt one time, Lord, and uh, I decided to hide my gift and bury it in the earth of my soul. God says, no, you should have put it out there for usury. Put it out there? You mean, that's risky. You know, the whole idea behind those parables is that there's a risk involved in putting your gift out. (laughs) But there's a greater risk in hoarding it to yourself or hiding it because of fear or whatever the reason may be. So, this is a good message. It's a good message today. We need to hear it. I'm doing my best as a pastor to prepare not only yourself but myself for that day. I want to know that when my life is over and done, that I finished my course, that I ran my race, and that I can say like Paul, there has been laid up for me a crown that the Lord, the just judge of it all, I'm pressing for that mark. How about you? Are you pressing for it? So what's your grace? I believe in this arena of healing, there's, 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 a, there's a unique... We've had prophecies over the year, even about this local church and this ministry, of healing graces flowing through this place. And I'm trying to get us to think of healing in a little bit broader way today by saying it's not just physical. Thank God for that, and we need it. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm telling you, there's the healing of the broken heart. There's the healing through deliverance, through the anointing of the worship and the presence of the Lord. There's all kinds of healing. Check this one out. Healing by the word of the Lord. Healing that comes by a spoken word. What an awesome grace, right? Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Maybe you're carrying a healing word for somebody. You know, you've never thought about that? A simple word under the anointing on your lips to them could actually heal them. And I believe it could heal them physically, emotionally, and you name it. That healing could... But a word, a simple word. What a neat tool to have in your toolbox. Matthew 8 and 8. We read a portion of this uh, or like a similar portion here. Let me just read to you. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word. Speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. Verse 16 of that same chapter, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. There's power in the anointing on the Word of God. I don't know about you, there's been times I've been in meetings where somebody's been preaching, and I'd be tormented by a certain thought, and a word would come forth, and it would set me free. Something would happen. It'd be like a hammer. It would just break something off of me. Again, I believe that grace can grow and increase and it needs to. Healing through the Word. Here's a good verse. Proverbs 16 and verse 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. What kind of words? Pleasant words are as a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Do you know that your words, you can minister life or death, right? Life or death are in the power of the tongue. We can be a part of sowing discord and, and, and actually wounding. Listen, if you can wound people with words, 
It stands to reason that you can heal people with words. Right? You can wound them with words. You can heal them with words. Particularly God's words, which are eternal words. Healing. Boy, there's such a need. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. This is interesting, isn't it? Paul is saying, shun certain types of words and certain types of conversations. Shun them. He says, because if you feed into those things, what you're doing is feeding into the disease they create. The disease. He says here, and their word will eat as does a canker. This word canker means an ulcer or gangrene in the original language. Gangrene. That's pretty rough. Words creating spiritual gangrene. And I actually believe this. I don't know how you think about it, but I, I tell you, I see this real clearly. I believe it can be physical stuff out of words. Did you know that people, and medical science has proven this over and over again, people's physical condition is often related to their psychological condition. No questions about this. This is well-documented, well-established truth. Okay? Yeah. People, in their inner talk, their fears, their anxieties, their stresses, your body starts reacting with chemical secretions, and before you know it, your body is eating itself. Destroying itself. We can either be a part of changing the way people feel about themselves. We, you know, we, it was interesting. We were in, in, in the situation with this wedding blending a couple different streams of Christian faith. It was at the Lutheran church, and I was participating and there was just some confusion that erupted in a certain, certain moment <coughs> through the process. And I saw this opportunity that it was either this thing was going to go super south quick. I mean like really bad. Or somehow by the grace of God we could get in there and be healing. And we chose by God's grace just to come in and do everything we possibly could to just love to squelch what the devil was trying to do. And I'm telling you, at the end of the day, God was glorified. Things smoothed out. We chose to be a part of healing instead of a part of the disease. A part of healing instead of a part of the disease. Which leads me right into another area of healing, which I believe is healing of relationships. Healing of relationships. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And then it goes right into this thought. It's not a coincidence. The context is all connected here. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. You know, I, I am sad to report that there's a lot of disease in the church that doesn't belong in the church. Paul said in his teaching in the, to the Corinthians in an effort to help them, for this cause many are sick and some even sleep among you because they don't discern the Lord's body. Basically, what he's saying, let me paraphrase, the way you're treating one another is translating into physical sickness and disease. That's basically what I hear Paul saying in that text. Many are sick and some are even sleeping because of these areas of not rightly discerning and valuing the members of the body of Christ. Let me issue a, 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 a charge to you here at Living Waters. We have an opportunity and I believe a mandate 
from the Lord to be a part of fixing the problem, not aggravating the problem when it comes to the condition of the body of Christ at large. We have an opportunity and a mandate to be a part of fixing it. Years ago, I won't go there today in length, but I ministered a message God spoke to my heart about uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus, after his crucifixion, ripped and shredded to pieces, now dead, hanging on the cross, and a good man, a devout man, Joseph of Arimathea, went to Pilate, the ruling authority, and the Bible says in one of the Gospels, and he craved the body of Jesus. He craved the body of Jesus. He asked Pilate, he begged for the body. He said, can I have the body? And Pilate's like, it's of no use to me. Have it. You can have it. So he went and he took the body. What was the condition of the body at that moment? Come on. It was, I've seen some art renderings, attempts from a scholar's view, historically and, and from a scholarly view, of what the body would look like. And you can't, it's unrecognizable, the mutilation, and just how, how terrible uh, his physical body would have been. And yet, here we've got this devout man craving something so horrible in its appearance. Why? Not because of the condition it was in, but because of who it was. Now hear me. The body of Christ, and now I'm talking about us all throughout the world and the ages. You might look at it and say, it is in horrible condition. Therefore, you know, I've got issues and I've got problems and I've got this and that and whatever. Let me tell you what. We need to do like Joseph of Arimathea did, in my opinion. And we need to, for who it is, not for the condition it's in, but for who it is. It's the body of Christ. Messed up as it is, ripped up as it is, all of its warts and issues and stuff. And what Joseph did is he took the body and he wrapped it in fine linen. Come on, fine linen in the scriptures represents what? Which is the righteousness of the saints, according to the book of Revelation. So righteousness, you know, thank God for the, the goodness of God to come and, and wrap somebody, somebody, and I'm talking, that's us. Let's start here with us. Needs to be a part of craving the body, not because of its current condition, but because of who it is, and doing justice and honor to the body by wrapping it in a righteousness that's not... It's from Christ. It's His righteousness, the righteousness that comes from Him. Wrap the body. And then he goes to even a step further, and he puts the body in his own tomb, hewn out for himself. This is the big challenge, because we all want... You know, that, that tomb represented His eternal future. In the Jewish mindset, the bones matter. Don't leave my bones in Egypt. Bring them with you. You know Why? Because they were thinking resurrection. And I want my bones in a certain place so that when we go, we go together and all that stuff, right? Joseph was saying, I'm going to actually take the spot I carved out for myself. This is where, this is the big challenge. So much of our Christianity today is I've carved out a place for myself. My own name, my own future, and somebody's got to get over their own self and say, for the body's sake, for the body's sake, because I got this hope, I got this vision. I'm convinced Joseph of Arimathea, somehow by the Spirit and by revelation, had this idea that there was something going to happen. It wasn't over yet. Put it in his own tomb, and that was the stage for what we all now enjoy, the blessing of the resurrection of Christ. What would happen if we could be like Joseph today? I'm talking about the ministry of healing and having hope for something in the future as opposed to always finding fault. And let me tell you, there's a bunch to find. Are you going to be a part of healing or are you going to be a part of dividing? How are you going to use your words? 
What are you going to say about the church and the body of Christ? It's a challenge. It's a big one. But I believe God's wanting us to participate with Him. I will say to you that are concerned with all the doctrinal error that's floating around, that um, God has that under control. And unless He's called you specifically to deal in that arena, then you're probably better off just being a healer instead of a critic. Be a healer instead of a critic. Yeah. There are those that God will show who are approved among you. There's heresies and so on. And they'll be manifest that God will bring forth people who have the grace and the anointing, apostolic, I believe, graces, to deal with some of those issues. But on our part, we need to be a part of healing. There's enough ripping the body apart already. Don't step past your bounds. All right, let me finish these scriptures here so your stomachs can get healed. (laughs) Psalms 34 and verse 12. What man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Notice the context. The person that desires life and loves long days. This is about health. It's about having what's good. He says, if that's you, watch what you say. I'm talking about healing, the word, relationships, and the power of that. You've heard the saying many times, hurt people hurt people. And I realize there's a lot of people in the body of Christ today who are hurting Right? But don't be a part of spreading your hurt on others. Get healed. Get healed. Let God come and help you with those areas or seek out some help. But don't spread the hurt. Spread the life of God. All right, last point. Somebody say amen. Amen. Make me feel like you're listening. You know, I work hard up here. Come on, give me a break. You're soaking it in. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> hey, it's, it's my grace. And uh, I've tried going outside of it, and it doesn't work too well. I want to talk the last... We're talking gifts of healing. This is just one other area. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. Maybe you've got something else and something else you've seen, an area you've seen, you know, healing the broken heart, healing the physical body. You know, healing relationships, healing through deliverance, the presence of God. There's all kinds of ways these gifts, plural, are working. But here's one. How about healing the land? Healing the land. It's a familiar passage quoted often, but let me just read it to you in the context of this study. Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. God speaking. He says, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, Or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, here it is, and will heal their land. Heal the land. That's a ministry of repentance and prayer. You might not have thought that your prayer ministry was a part of healing, but I'm telling you it is. Healing the land, the curse that comes over the earth, which is creating ramifications in all kinds of other areas. You know, there's such a trend nowadays to get, you know, organic this and corn fed that and you know what would happen if the land just got healed (laughs) you know what I'm saying I mean it'd be cheaper it would absolutely be cheaper (laughs) than all this organic stuff goodness gracious amen I say we have a hamburger but that's another story healed hamburger is, is good all day long it just is (laughs) 
Amen. Well, I'd like to pray together, um, and I'd like to just believe God. I, 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 I really, please hear my heart today. I am asking the Lord that these are not just a set of teachings. I just am. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. Do y'all ever feel like Pastor Rob's been in your mailbox? <laughs> it's been in mine. <laughs> I just got, I want to tell you a little story. I, some of you, I told this story to earlier in the week. Um, a lot of you know I'm involved with the Trail Life Group. And um, I see Mike back there. He knows what I'm going to talk about. I got a good friend, his name is Ed, and he always says, if you're going to tell a story, you need a video and a witness. I have a video, and there's my witness. <laughs> <laughs> but being involved in this trail life group, you get to see miracles, little miracles every week, you know. And uh, the guys right now are involved in scuba diving, and we're taking scuba training. And uh, we had 18 kids come out. Eight of them pass a swimming test, which is pretty rigorous. Ten laps of the pool have to float for ten minutes. Pretty, pretty difficult. And uh, so we had eight boys passed right out, right out of the blocks. We had eight other boys that almost made it. So for the last two weeks, me and Mike and some other guys have been working to teach these guys better technique. But we had two little boys that couldn't swim at all. Nothing. I mean, nothing. So last Saturday, we went to the pool, and we started out, I mean, we started out bobbing in the water, like you teach a little kid to swim, right? And by the end of the day, those two little boys are swimming 10 laps. Well, these two little boys are adopted, and I knew they were adopted little boys, okay? But they were adopted. And the adopted dad, his name is Mr. Brewer. And uh, I went over and I said, Mr. Brewer, you should be real proud of these boys today. Yeah. He said, Mike, you have no idea. He said, when Jonathan was three years old, he had to have physical therapy to learn to walk because his mother was a heroin addict. The other little boy was a year old. So I had no idea. And I said, Mr. Brewer, I got to ask the question, what would possess you to adopt a three-year-old boy who couldn't walk and an infant child who was probably going to have the same problem? He said, nobody's ever asked me that. He said, let me tell you. My wife and I, in preparation for being parents, okay, they got married young, in preparation for being parents, he said, we started taking in kids um, in the home. Foster kids. Foster like, kids. Yeah. The intention always to be to rehabilitate the kids, the family, get everybody back together, usually from a drug situation, alcohol addiction, something like that. Okay. 22 sets of kids they did. At the time, they had these two little boys, and they were about to be reunited with their parents. He said they had an altar call in his church one day. And he said, we, in their church, they rarely have an altar call. And normally, he was the guy that did the audiovisual stuff in the back. Normally, he wouldn't have been out there anyway. This day it was. And uh, he went down to the altar call, and he said to me, he said, Mike, was just as angry at God as you could get. And he went to the altar and he said, God, you gave me this woman. She wants children. I want children. We've done everything that you've asked. We've, we've helped 22 sets of kids. Okay? Where are my children? So when he walked down to the aisle, got to the altar, he felt a little pressure on his leg. And he thought that his wife had gotten out of the chair and came, you know. So he's standing there railing on God, and after a while, he feels his, a tug on his shirt like that. 
and he looked down, and there's this little five-year-old boy there, and he said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm praying for a dad like you. <laughs> so Bill knew that he knew that he knew what, what he had to do. And but God, two weeks later, the boys were supposed to go back with their birth mother. She had finished the rehab, everything. And two weeks later, she bolted and abandoned the kids. And Bill and his wife adopted those two little kids. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And now, the Trail Life group is joining around that family, unknowing to the whole story, but now you know, and helping the healing process and the restoration of the souls of those kids. What an amazing, beautiful story, huh? Come on. That's just awesome. Come on, jump up on your feet. Thank you for sharing that story, Mike. I want to just believe God together for gifts, plural, of healing. Physical, emotional, spiritual, the land being healed, all the kinds of ways that God wants to manifest. You know, this is His declared will, the Bible, telling us these are available to us. And now I believe God wants us just to reach out by faith and receive them today. So, Father, I know we're not a big church. I know there's not hundreds and thousands of people here today. But you're here. Your presence is here. And I thank you that a few men turned the whole known world upside down. Why not us? Lord, I thank you that there is no limit to what can be if we'll open our hearts today and receive. Lord, I want to thank you that you're here today to heal some of us right here right now some of us Lord you know the physical and emotional areas that need a touch today I just want to thank you that you are the God who heals us I thank you today though it's painful Lord I thank you that the pain is not abandoned pain it's you're here Lord Binding up the hurt and exercising the joint for movement again. I thank you, Lord, that you've not left us here alone, but that you're here today, Lord God, strengthening us to finish strong our course. I want to thank you today for the various ways which this grace manifests in this congregation. I want to thank you, Lord. We just open up our... our hearts today and our minds today to unusual ways you might want to manifest this grace of healing the next generation healing those who are addicted to drugs and those that are bound with the devils God healing those who have so lost their way God thank you we ask for your, your grace right now come on lift your hands high before the Lord right now if that's you and you want this grace, just open your heart and your hands up to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, by faith, we receive this grace wherein we now stand. And I thank you that this grace is effectual. It will produce when it's put to use. And I thank you for faith to step out and, and, and heal, Lord, those that are broken. We wouldn't just pass them by anymore. With a word with a touch, with a prayer. I thank you for it now. We joyfully receive it as a gift from you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.